Really good to see you. We are about to start recording, I guess. Yes, we are. So let me do this. And welcome. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Um, since we're learning that eyes don't see, <laughs> or rather we're unlearning that eyes see, that would be a better way to put it. We're unlearning that eyes see um, and uh, learning, learning a new way of seeing. Um, we're in chapter 21, in spite of what the announcement said that it, we're in 20, we are in chapter 21, reason and perception. And um, we're going to go through the first two sections, uh, the introduction and the very famous forgotten song. It probably is one of the most quoted sections of, of the course because it is uh, a beautiful vision of the Son of God. So I thought I would start out um, with um, the definition of vision uh, from the glossary. You probably all have or are familiar with the glossary. And it's sometimes very helpful. I use it uh, a lot as a tool um, because we can tend to wander off in some of our ideas about what these different words say. And um, so uh, the definition, and if you don't have this book, you don't need to go there. Is there are just a few uh, statements that I'm going to read. But vision really is about spiritual sight, seeing with the mind instead of with the eyes under the direction of um, uh, the ego, uh, seeing with the mind under the direction of the Holy Spirit. So um, the first definition is uh, vision is the perception of Christ or the Holy Spirit that sees beyond the body to the spirit that is our true identity. Remember in the very beginning, chapter one, spirit is in a state of grace forever. Your reality is only spirit Therefore, you are in a state of grace forever. So that's ultimately where we're headed, although we're going to be learning um, in this chapter about true perception, and true perception is, uh, or the real world is the, 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 uh, the, the step before uh, God himself takes the last step, which is nothing we can really speak of. Um, vision, the vision of forgiveness and sinlessness through which we see the real world. So forgiveness, sinlessness, um, all are, um, I guess I would say, aspects or lead to uh, the experience of vision, and vision is an experience. 
it is uh, or does reflect an internal decision, an internal decision um, to accept reality rather than judge it. To accept rather than judge. I think one way to, um, well, I'll come back to this. Never mind, I'll come back to it. Uh, a shift in attitude from the ego's purpose for the body to the Holy Spirit's purpose for the body. The Holy Spirit's purpose for the body is to use it uh, for communication, to use it for healing and forgiveness. And uh, the ego's purpose for the body is uh, specialness and to reinforce uh, our separated identity we often refer to it as our personhood uh, and the importance of this personhood as uh, what, what and who we think we are. And thus it cannot be equated with physical sight. Mm -hmm. So vision is not equated with physical sight. And I was interested, I looked up um, spiritual sight and I was surprised to find that he started talking about it uh, in chapter two, actually. Uh, if you want to go to chapter two, uh, section two, and that would be on page 20, excuse me, that would be on page 19, and there'll be some on the next page as well, 19 in um, paragraph 1, I think I have the wrong number, yes I do, sorry it's section, it's, it is actually section 3 in um, chapter two. And it's in paragraph one, sentence, it starts with sentence 10. The real beauty of the temple cannot be seen with the physical eye. Spiritual sight on the other hand, cannot see the structure at all because it is perfect vision. And then in paragraph three, sentence five, oh, this is the one we all know. <laughs> Tolerance for pain may be high, but it is not without limit. Eventually, everyone begins to recognize, however dimly, there must, must be a better way. As this recognition becomes more firmly established, it becomes a turning point. This ultimately reawakens spiritual vision, simultaneously weakening the investment in the physical eye or physical sight. The alternating investment 
in these two levels of perception is usually experienced as conflict and can become very acute. But the outcome is as certain as gone. So we vacillate between seeing with the body's eyes and making it very real by reacting to what we see with the body's eyes. And reacting is interpre interpreting our perception. So, you know, uh, we're, never, we're never upset at a fact. You know, you often hear people say, it is what it is. Well, I think <laughs> they don't understand the true meaning of what they're saying. But if you're looking at it from the Course's perspective, um, uh, a fact is a fact. And, you know, I'll give you an example of a situation. Say, um, say I was uh, going to have a big party and it was going to be out in the yard and uh, we had lots of people coming. And all of a sudden it started to rain. Well, the fact that it's raining is simply a fact. What I make of that, what I interpret about that is perception. So the Course uses the word perception as interpretation. We're never upset at a simple fact that we don't add something to. But of course, we're always seeing through the ego's perception. If we are seeing through the ego's perception, it's going to be all about what it means for me. It's going to mean we're all going to have to go inside. It's going to mean we'll have to set up and change everything. It means, oh, uh, you know, can we cook on the barbecue grill? And, uh, you know, on and on and on. Any situation that we don't simply see as it is, which is, would be looking through the eyes of forgiveness. For forgiveness looks, watches, waits, judges not and does nothing. It, it, it doesn't react. So through the Holy Spirit's then uh, way of seeing, uh, it simply is what it is. And we would um, respond to that without making it a big deal because the interpretation is what makes it a big deal. The interpretation is what makes everything a problem to me. So uh, how we see really uh, depends on who we're looking with. Who's doing the looking? Am I uh, looking with uh, the Holy Spirit or am I looking at any situation with through the, the eyes of the ego or the personhood and interpreting um, that for my for myself, what that what that means about me. So, any any questions or thoughts about that? Nope. Okay. <laughs> um, Another place uh, that I think is important for background is the introduction to the workbook. And um, 
Let's see, that is introduction to the workbook. It's very simple. It's on page one of the workbook. It's, uh, you know, right after uh, the, all of the lessons in the table of contents. And let's look at paragraph three. The workbook is divided into two main sections. The first is dealing with undoing of the way you see now. So we see through the body's eyes and we react to what we're seeing. Um, and um, we re react based upon what we have decided we want to see. So if I've chosen the ego, uh, I'm going to see a reflection of uh, the chaos, the chaos that's in the mind that has chosen separation and uh, is uh, insane, <laughs> is one way to look at it. And um, will be interpreting everything in terms of victims and victimizers because in order for it the special separated self to survive it's got to have a place to put uh, its guilt and the way it found to put the guilt was to project a world and to project bodies and other bodies upon which to project uh, our guilt over the separation. So that has to be undone. We actually have to begin to accept the idea that eyes are not seeing. That's a tall order. <laughs> Every time we react and respond to something external, we're saying that what, what we're seeing is, is real. And then the second part, uh, if you go down to paragraph four, the purpose of the workbook is to train your mind. Again, we're talking about the mind here. The, it's the mind that's going to be seeing, not the eyes. Train your mind in a systematic way to a different perception of everyone and everything in the world. So under the Holy Spirit's direction, who is doing the looking, uh, the Holy Spirit gives meaning to everything we say, we see. Um, in the uh, way we are unlearning, in the way we are unlearning to see, Jesus starts off in the course, lesson number one, nothing I see means anything. So, uh, but we don't believe that. You know, we think everything we see means something, and it means something about me somehow. So that's what has to be unlearned in order for us to open up uh, and uh, train our mind to a different, a different way of seeing. Um, let's see where I want to go from here. Um, 
can refers to the process that we're we're in in this in this chapter is um, the royal road back to the mind. I think uh, Freud used the word the royal word as well. Um, I started thinking about this idea of the royal royal road and um, as a way that we live in the world, meaning we live in the world um, as a classroom in which we're learning how to uh, get back to the mind and uh, to develop spiritual sight or to develop vision. And I was, I was thinking of it as a, as a kind of a new nobility, only it's the nobility of a mind uh, that is, uh, is free, that is learning from the Holy Spirit. And of course, it's an interesting take on nobility because everybody ultimately is, is noble in that sense of the word, that everybody has a mind that is holy. Everybody has a mind um, that has been given. What are we? We're a mind within the mind of God and, and like our source and creator in every way. And so, you know, the, the new nobility is in the kingdom. <laughs> it's returning to the kingdom. And the new mind, the noble mind, is wholly generous to its brother in that it sees its sinlessness everywhere. It gives everything because it has everything. So, um, you know, in a, in a time when, you know, we seem so terribly split on um, uh, the value uh, that you know every every everyone has a different value and there's so much um uh distinction and differences being drawn the idea of the nobility in the mind that can be shared with everyone is is a i think a a, a beautiful idea so um the royal road um in which we seek not to change the world at all, but we change our mind about the way we see the world. Meaning also we change our mind about the way we see our brother. We don't try to change our brother or fix our brother. We change our mind about we, the way we see him. And we uh, shift from uh, sin to sinlessness, to guilt, uh, as, as uh, looking for uh, who is guilty. The ego is always looking for who is to blame here, who is guilty to um, the shift to seeing our brother as, as sinless. Um, let's see here. You may remember that when we, um, we went through, I think it was chapter 12, we spent a, uh, a good bit of time on the idea of seeing. It's obviously, this is not the first time that um, 
Jesus started talking about seeing and changing the way we see. Um, a few of them that I do want to reiterate because I think they're always good refreshers is uh, one on page 234. If you go to pat chapter 12, page 234, and paragraph, paragraphs actually three and probably uh, some of six and, and eight. Um, paragraph three at the top of the page 234, when you made visible what is not true, what is true became invisible to you. So really, we're not seeing at all. When we're seeing with the body's eyes and we're um, interpreting what we're seeing, we're really interpreting what isn't even there. <laughs> and um, uh, it, it cannot be invisible in itself. What's true, in other words, can't be invisible in itself. For the Holy Spirit sees it with perfect clarity. So this is our great need to choose the Holy Spirit as our teacher because the Holy Spirit sees only what is there. It is invisible to you because you're looking at something else. You're looking at the projection of your own mind. In a sense, we're going to read that we're looking at the damnation, the judgment <clears throat> that we placed upon ourselves. Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, if you, uh, let's see, it is invisible because you're looking at something else. Yet, it is no more up to you to decide what is visible and what is invisible than it is up to you to decide what reality is. What can be seen is what the Holy Spirit sees. The definition of reality is God's, not yours. So we can see reality, but we can only see reality with the Holy Spirit. Everything else we're seeing is not true, not real. And so the, you know, the Holy Spirit's uh, job, in a sense, is to teach us the difference between what's real and what is, isn't. In fact, um, keep your finger right where you are on 234, but uh, go to chapter 14, page 272. Oh, this is... <laughs> Paragraph two, the Holy Spirit, seeing where you are, but knowing that you're elsewhere, begins his lesson in simplicity with the fundamental teaching that truth is true. It is what it is. <laughs> the coarsest version of it is what it is. The truth is true. This is the hardest lesson that you will ever learn. And in the end, it is the only one.
uh, skip down to paragraph three. Um, all this the Holy Spirit sees and teaches simply that all of this is not true. All of the nonsense that uh, we make up, um, all of the strange reactions that we have to something that isn't even there. And he, know, he sees this, but he simply says it's not true. To the unhappy learners who would teach themselves nothing and delude themselves into believing it's not nothing. So this is, this is the state we're in. We're looking at nothing and we're teaching ourselves it's not nothing. It is really something. And I'll show you how it's something. You did this to me. It's doing this to me. It's causing me this. <laughs> and the uh, Holy Spirit teaches with steadfast quietness. And I, this, this one I would commit to memory. I have committed this one to memory. The truth is true. Nothing else matters. Nothing else is real. And everything beside it is not there. <laughs> let me, let me. The Holy Spirit is saying, let me. You cannot do this. We cannot do this ourselves because we believe in the reality of what we're seeing by our very response and reaction to it. Forgiveness is why we, why we need forgiveness is to look at it and not react to it. Forgiveness shows us that what we thought occurred has not occurred. It looks, it watches, it waits, it judges not, it does nothing. It's learning that that can have no effect upon us. Let me make the one distinction you can't make but need to learn. Your faith in nothing is deceiving you. Offer your faith to me and I will place it in the holy place at the altar where it belongs. You will find no deception there but only the simple truth. And you will love it. You will love it because you will understand it. So, uh, the Holy Spirit is an essential part of our experience because the Holy Spirit teaches by experience. So this is out of the realm of our being able to figure it out. What we learn from the Holy Spirit is given. And it, it, it comes to us from beyond time and space. So it's a completely um, different way of learning and, and we can get hung up for a really long time um, thinking we can figure out what the Holy Spirit's going to tell us. And, and then we have a tendency to grab on to um, something that we secretly want to hear <laughs> and imagine again, we're into imagining that the Holy Spirit is telling us to do something. And the Holy Spirit's function is to correct our mind. 
So the, the changes that are occurring, while we might see the effects of the change, which is what the miracle is, the miracle shows us that we are learning from the Holy Spirit. How I see my brother, how I relate to my brother is showing me whether I am learning from the Holy Spirit or I'm learning from the ego. And so it's, it's, it's indirect in a sense. So um, the Holy Spirit isn't really telling us where to go or what to do. The Holy Spirit is, is bringing us joy, is bringing us peace in the mind. Now that may mean it's a lot easier for us to make decisions. That may mean, in fact, he's going to talk about that in the Song of Prayer, you know, there are open doors. We don't see them when we're looking with the ego's eyes, he says. There are stones that we would know how to go around. Difficulties, problems, we would know how to go around, but we don't. But with peace in our mind, with joy in our mind, that would be navigation of the dreams, so to speak, would become effortless. But because we are relying on the ego, we're always adjusting. <laughs> you remember, part of this chapter was sin as, in, as adjustment. And, and, you know, once we made the adjustment of sin, you know, it's all downhill from there. You know, we're always trying to adapt and ad adjust to um, the world that we have projected externally. The, you know, the plan, to, that the ego's plan to keep us mindless is very uh, effective, and that's where spiritual sight comes in, as, a, as opposed to um, spiritual sight instead of... Um, uh, eyes for the from the body the visual of the body is the body is always looking to prove or witness to the reality of its existence all right any thoughts or questions at this point let me i need to put the whole screen up here there we go all right. Yes, now I can see everybody. Sorry, I had the wrong visual on. Hi, Abe. Hi, Lynn. Uh, yes, let's hear uh, from you. Yeah, so uh, I, you know, I've often struggled with the question of uh, when I get some idea in my head or some feeling, whether it's actually the Holy Spirit trying to help me or is, is the ego just messing me up some more. And I guess what I hear you saying is that if it's the ego's voice, it will probably learn to much more judgment and less peace. Whereas if it's the Holy Spirit, it will lead to less judgment and more peace. Would you agree with that? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You know, when you're learning through the Holy Spirit, that, you know, the gift of learning uh, the truth, the truth is true and nothing else is true. That's the Holy Spirit's job to teach us that. So we're learning that the truth is true, and um, that is, um, it may be reflected perceptually, but that's not perception. 
what the Holy Spirit is teaching us is happening in an entirely different, uh, in a different place. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Anytime we think we know something, <laughs> we're in trouble, you know? We don't know anything. The truth is true. That's it. <laughs> Let's see. Anyone else? Yeah, Bruce. Lynn, Lynn, a few moments ago when you read, the truth is true, nothing else matters. A little, a little farther down, it, it, uh, it said, uh, uh, the, word gent the, the only word you left out, which I thought was helpful, was gently, but probably not consciously. But anyway, anyway, it says, um, offer your faith to me, and I will place it gently in the holy place where it belongs. And I was thinking, yeah, that gentleness is, is kind of a clue that, that the Holy Spirit doesn't coerce at all. It's, just, it's always just waiting there patiently for us to <laughs> agree. And then, then it's like, oh, then, then, then we see all the, you know, the light goes on and we see like as we're going through the cave, we see all the, the pitfalls and the stones and the open doors and all that stuff, right? <laughs> Thanks. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, I was interested the other day when we were in chapter 20 and Tim was doing this section on the vision of sinlessness and uh, how often he used words like um, your real desire, you're wanting it, <clears throat> you have to want this. And uh, it can take a while to realize, first of all, if I really understood that I'm not seeing, that I'm really blind, that this, what, what I'm reacting to and responding to, and then interpreting in a way that keeps me hopelessly preoccupied with the dream world, which is the strategy of the ego, to remain mindless. Well, using our eyes to tell us what we've already decided we want to see, when we realize that's not seeing. We're seeing nothing. When we finally get that, we may be a little more motivated to try a spiritual site and find out what that's all about. You know, obviously he said in the beginning, that shift from seeing with the body's eyes to spiritual sight, we go back and forth and back and forth uh, because it's not something we're used to. And in fact, um, uh, a fun place to read about this, because this isn't all terrible stuff, is, um, let me find the right page, it's page 645. This is all about learning, learning and unlearning. So go to 645 in the text. Paragraph 3, 645, we're in final vision, the final vision. And he's still, you know, pointing out that <laughs> we haven't learned to see yet. <laughs> the final vision, the simplicity of salvation. <clears throat> Paragraph 3. No one who understands what you have learned, how carefully you've learned it, and the pains to which you went, to practice and repeat the lessons endlessly 
So rem remember, we're looking at nothing. We're looking at a hallucination. We're looking at the projection of an idea that is impossible, the world and the body. But we're repeating the, the lesson endlessly. We have to be teaching ourselves day in and day out that this is reality. All right, so in every form you could conceive of them could ever doubt the power of your learning skill. We taught ourselves this, and we continue to teach ourselves this. Even now, even here, our seeing depends upon this. Every day, day in and day out, our seeing depends upon that teaching. So we're teaching ourselves and learning it constantly. There is no greater power in the world. The world was made by it, and here it is, even now depends on nothing else. It is only there because we want it there. So flip to the next page, paragraph five. Learning is an ability you made and gave yourself. And now we have to unlearn. <laughs> it was not made to do the will of God, but to uphold a wish that the will of God could be opposed. And that a will apart from it was yet more real than it. Hmm. And this has learning taught, sought to demonstrate, and you have learned what it was made to teach. And now does your ancient overlearning stand implacable before the voice of truth and teach you that its lessons are not true. So now, because we believe what we've taught ourselves is true, we say, this is too hard to learn. This spiritual sight stuff, this is too hard to learn another way to see. And that its voice, the Holy Spirit that speaks, teaches us another way to see. No, I can't learn that way. Judy, did you have something? I was just going to say how... Um how um, being without physical sight, how um, the ego really tries to tell us how absolutely helpless we'd be. Um, I mean, think of a blind kitten, or I mean, we'd be totally vulnerable without any idea of how to take the next step totally in the dark um, and I think there's something to be said about um, surrender to that so we can see with spiritual sight right and boy that's a that's quite the undertaking right right so. right 
Yes, and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's not asking us, obviously, uh, to give up seeing with the eyes. Uh, we will continue to see with yeah. the eyes. But it's just not to believe it. Okay. You know, not to um, uh, use it as uh, the justification for our interpretations. Oh, gotcha. We're using, the, we're using a world that we've projected. We've already decided what we want to see. And then we're, we're, we're seeing that. And, and what we want to see, again, is we want the problem to be out there. We want the guilty one to be out there. Yeah. The, the whole strategy is to keep us away from the mind, the, the, the mind where vision is, where so, we, we yeah. could actually look at this and we would not react to it. I mean, that's the first step. We really have to begin yeah. with that. So we're seeing with two eyes. We're seeing with uh, right and wrong. We're seeing with judgment rather than judgment. the one eye. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank the you. ego sees with judgment. Uh, when we uh, are seeing with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has us see everything as a classroom and as an opportunity to get back to the mind where we begin to experience the complete forgiveness we begin to experience the peace and joy that's there when we're not reacting and interpreting based upon a special separated person. Very that's, clear. Very yeah, clear. Thank you. That's not seeing. Um, let's see here. So we now think it's too difficult to learn to see with spiritual sight. And then if you drop down to paragraph seven, the lessons to be learned are only two. Each has a different outcome in a different world. And each world follows surely from its source. So the one is the Holy Spirit. I choose the Holy Spirit as my guide and teacher for seeing. And um, the other is to see through the eyes of the ego, in which the ego sees God's son as guiltless. One way or the other, it's going to find, it's going to find guilt. And that's the world that uh, keep, keeps us um, blind. <laughs> Let's use that. Um, if you skip over to paragraph 11, I think this is a good reminder as well because we are confronted with this now. What is temptation but a wish to make the wrong decision on what you want to learn? Do I want to learn vision? Do I want to learn spiritual sight? And have an outcome that you do not want what could be worse than to be choosing, <laughs> be tempted to make the wrong decision? The ego as my teacher instead of the Holy Spirit as my teacher. Remember that the Holy Spirit is teaching us 
reality, teaching us the truth is true, teaching us what uh, is there to see. Purpose. The purpose. The purpose, the universal purpose of God is there to see in the mind. That's what we want to become aware of. Thoughts, questions? It's definitely a shake-up. This is why it's, it's gentle and gradual. You know, but even if we catch ourselves once during the day and realize, oh wow, I'm seeing totally through the eyes, I'm interpreting, I'm making up a whole, spinning out a whole story about what I think is happening. Nothing I see means anything. It doesn't mean anything. That's, that stops us. If we just remember that now and then, we're stopped. We're still. Bruce, you had something. Yeah, I was just, as you were sharing all this, I, I was uh, remembering a, um, something that a friend of mine named Leonard Lasko said that really stuck with me. It says, it takes an enormous amount of energy to maintain the belief in separation. I was thinking how exhausting it is to, to, to overlearn and continue to overlearn, to continue to, to, to you know, give into the temptation of the ego's propaganda and, <laughs> and convince ourselves that we're getting some, some kind of mileage out of, you know, martyrdom, victimhood, uh, all the, you know, behold me, brother, at your hands I die, suffering <laughs> stuff. And, and, and all, all that stuff really is just a moment-to-moment -moment choice of choosing intentionally making a habit of over and over, you know, misinterpreting the data, which is neutral, as you were talking about earlier. And it, it's just, it's, it, the facts are, are just neutral. You know, it's even, even in the dream, it's, if a dream fact is just, you know, even, even more neutral if, if we see that it's a dream, but, but we, we keep wanting to breathe life into it and it, it wears us out. <laughs> It's, no wonder we're exhausted at the end of a lot of days when we, we were so busy judging everything and condemning and, and whether it's conscious or not, you know, it's, it's that machine is just going on 24 seven almost. Yeah, anyway, well, it, it, it's no wonder that people do things like Eckhart Tolle and sit on a park bench for two years. You know, I mean, there's, and, and he's not the only story like that. There are many stories of people that just, you know, when they totally get that shift from seeing through the body's eyes to, you know, seeing what's, seeing what's simply there without any interpretation, without any, uh, you know, personal story about it. I mean, who's looking? It's, you know, it's the Holy Spirit looking. It's who we are, simply looking and realizing there's nothing to do. There's nothing that needs to be fixed. There's nobody that needs to be changed. And everything is, is just fine. Because we're seeing with the mind, which is, you know, essentially what he says in the beginning of the workbook. You know, he says the goal here is a different way of seeing. And when you go all the way with it, <laughs> um, sit on a park bench maybe. <laughs>
that 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 can also be a metaphor for being really busy but not being busy in your mind which is you know all interpretation all trying to to strategize and manipulate and react and respond oh man it is exhausting yeah and anybody else i was uh, thinking about the uh, the blindness part like, like most of us, probably 99.9% .9 of us, if we have bodily sight, we wouldn't consciously choose to be blind. And yet, every time I make a judgment, I mean, if I look out the window and, I, you know, the fall leaves look nice and, you know, there's some pretty things in the world sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, it's not, it's like, that's not what's keeping me blind. It's just my preoccupation with judging the nasty stuff yeah yeah i see the nice leaves but i'm also thinking about <laughs> you know if i'm in ego mode I, I am thinking about some kind of judgment and the judgment keeps me blind to the re to the reality and i'm choosing that i mean it it doesn't it doesn't i don't admit that consciously but i'm choosing to not see what's really there behind the fall leaves. I'm, I'm choosing not to see what's really there behind the bad stuff. I'm choosing to be blind. I mean, that, that, I mean, who would do that consciously? Well, and, and I mean, we justify choosing to be blind all the time with every judgment we make. I think uh, one of the early lessons is it's God's purpose is in everything. I mean, the purpose, the universal purpose of God is in the mind that includes absolutely everything. We are the purpose of God. There isn't any separation between God and, and the Son. It's the, the uh, purpose is everything, and the, that purpose is our shared universal purpose. That's got to be a beautiful thing. <laughs> to, to know that. Of course, we're not speaking of knowledge here. We're speaking of getting to the place of true perception. And true perception is not interpretation. True perception is under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, our question would be of everything. Show me the meaning of what I behold. I don't know. Show me the meaning. Show me the meaning of my brother who's here in front of me. The purpose of God is here. Show me the meaning of whatever appears to be going on i don't know but instead we leap right in there and we decide what it means and we start you know cranking out <laughs> our interpretations all right let's let's uh, look at um on page 445 we're going to start with paragraph two reason and perception our school, by the way, used to be called School of Reason. Reason being right-mindedness. That was the first name for it. And then about, uh, I think, 2007, we thought, well, you know, that's a little um, hard for many people to understand. What, it, what is that about? So it just seemed 
obvious. Well, it's a school for a course in miracles. But uh, reason is uh, another way to think of reason is right mindedness. Reason will tell you that you need a teacher. <laughs> reason will tell you to choose the Holy Spirit. Wrong mindedness will say, choose me, choose the ego, you know, choose me and I'll make trouble for you. <laughs> I'll make a lot of trouble for you. All right, so paragraph two. Damnation is your judgment on yourself. And this you will project on the world. So the judgment is, of course, the, the tiny mad idea, but the judgment is the first judgment, really the only judgment. The first judgment was you sinned and you're guilty and you deserve to be punished. And so that's where we went off the rails, right there. Had, had we not judged, the Holy Spirit would simply be there and nothing happened. That's the atonement. The atonement is the correction. Nothing happened. But we didn't accept the correction. We decided to listen to the voice of the ego. So we damned ourselves. And then um, this is what we project now upon the world, which is also a projection. See the world is damned and all you see is what you did to hurt the Son of God. If you behold disaster, catastrophe, you tried to crucify him. So, I mean, it sure looks like we could look out there now and, and think we're seeing uh, catastrophe and disaster. But we see that because that's what we want to see. We've already decided we're damned and this is what we want to see, the effects of this to prove that it's true. It's a hallucination. If you see holiness and hope, you join the will of God to set him free. Now, you know, there are stories um, uh, Deschardins uh, on the battlefield in, uh, in the trenches in the war and he walks out upon the battlefield and he sees nothing but beauty and glory while all around him there is you know suffering and dying because he's seeing with his mind he's not seeing with his eyes he's seeing a decision that he's made in the mind as to what he wants to see. So there's a really extreme example. But in any situation, we, can, we are seeing what we want to see, and it is a decision. If you see holiness and hope, you join the will of God to set the Son of God free, to set yourself free, to set your brother free. There is no choice that lies between these two decisions. You're either choosing damnation or you're choosing the will of God. We're choosing the Holy Spirit. It's always that, ego or Holy Spirit. And you will see the witnesses to the choice you made and learn 
from this to recognize which one you chose. You want to know what you chose? All you have to do is see what you're seeing and making real. So it's possible again to be here and be walking in, in this world and be a participant but not to react to it as, as a person like this is hurting me. I'm a victim of this. And there are victimizers all around. So if you want to support your favorite candidate, you can do it. But you're not invested. I don't know. It's, it, you know, Kathy. Yeah, uh, and also I know uh, we could also say, because I know for me, between these two decisions, when I've decided for ego, not only do I see misery and suffering out there, I feel the misery and suffering in here. And when I have decided for Holy Spirit, not only do I, well, then, then it feels like just one and the same, that I will feel happy and joyful and peaceful. And sometimes, though, when I try to, to when I do say, I must have made the wrong decision decide for me. It seems a lot of times to take a while and then it seems to unconsciously happen that then once I start feeling peace and joy again, I can, I say, oh, well now I finally must have made the right decision. Do you have that same experience? Sure, all, all versions of it, you know, uh, all versions of it. It's. You know, when, when it doesn't um, shift, it's because I don't want it to shift. You know, I'm still holding on to a thread somehow. I still want this to be, um, to, to be real. I still want it that way. And, uh, you know, that's why this is a, it is a process and it takes time. And um, we have to be gentle with ourselves. Certainly judging ourselves for judging <laughs> Doesn't doesn't go anywhere, you know. That's futile. We Thank will. You. Yeah, Thank we, you. Yeah, we will judge. Uh, Oris. Something I'm uh, re becoming aware of recently is uh, that, I, and I read it or heard it from Ken or something, and it really hit home. Was that we are here as a classroom, so if. It, you know, instead of not wanting all this misery and blah, blah, blah out there, it's like, oh, that, that it said that he can't, can't say Jesus can't teach us unless we bring this to him. And if we just say, oh, everything's okay all the time, and it really isn't, then Jesus can't teach us. That's my first e inkling into that. that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. But can you, you know, can you imagine the alternative of going through your entire life and not knowing the purpose for which you are here? Not knowing that the one thing that will make a difference is to learn that you are a decision-making mind and you can choose a different teacher. I mean, can you imagine going through a 60-year marriage and not knowing the purpose of your relationship? And, and coming to the end of it, and you, you never knew that it had a, a, you know, the purpose of learning 
that that your brother was sinless and you're sinless and you know we 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 can't learn what we are alone it's impossible to learn that we're 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 joined alone that we're the same one alone so i mean this is this is extraordinary stuff we're learning here if we really want to learn it in that section that we just read, he said, you know, don't tell me that you can't learn this when you taught yourself. You've taught yourself that this whole damn thing is real and that it's doing something to you on top of it. You've taught yourself that and, and it's not even there. <laughs> it's not there. Your mind within the mind of God. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Let's finish this paragraph. The world you see shows you how much joy you have allowed yourself to see in you. If you're learning from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's lessons are joyous. And you accept it as yours. And you will see the witnesses to the internal joy that you are allowing yourself. And if this is its meaning, the world, its meaning, if this is its meaning, then the power to give it joy must lie within you. So we all have this power within us. The power and the glory. Remember, remember chapter 8 when we went through chapter 8? It was all about the power and the glory and the kingdom. And it's yours. It's yours. We have it. And now we're going through the, you know, the process of, of learn, learning it. I, I was right. looking at, uh, you know, this, uh, this choosing to be, to be blind, this choosing. Um, I mean, why wouldn't I want to see what Desjardins saw on a battlefield? Much like see that all the time, but certainly walk out on a battlefield and see the beauty and the glory behind all the seeming horror. Um, course I'd want to see that and then Jesus says and and <laughs> the only thing I need to do is lay down my judgment about who caused the seeming horror and I'm like oh no I don't know about that <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to lay down any judgment at all <laughs> do I want to be right or happy damn it <laughs> yeah. uh, laying down a judgment means I'm not very right <laughs> I mean, the fear, I was thinking about the, you know, the innate fear of, I mean, it doesn't look like I'm afraid of seeing the beauty and the glory, especially on a World War I battlefield. I mean, that, you know, of course, why wouldn't I want to see that? However, am I willing to lay down this judgment <laughs> and then maybe another two or three judgments I might have? <laughs> and I always have at least 10 backup judgments too. <laughs> just in case one runs out, mm -hmm. but uh, it, just to lay down those judgments. I mean, it's not, he's not asking a whole lot. However, <laughs> I sure am hanging on to, and using that as an excuse not to see the beauty and the, and, and the wonder and, and, and just stay blind to that. Right. Hmm. It's staying blind to what really could be seen. And only what the Holy Spirit sees can be seen. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, we want, do we want to see what we've denied because it's the truth? The last unanswered question. I think it's going to be in the next chapter, by the way. I think it's the end of the next chapter. It's called the last unanswered question. Do I want to see what I've denied because it is the truth? Do I want to see reality? Do I want to see the real world? Do I want to see what's really there? Instead of my interpretations. Again, we're talking about, can you imagine how effortless that is? Because it's given. The means are given. The end is given. We don't do any of it. We just stop interfering. We stop the interference. The interference is the reaction, the interpretation that makes the world seem to be real and have power over us. It has, it has no power other than what we give it. Yeah, Kathy. Yeah, and the, like you said a while ago, how we have to be patient with ourselves. And the reason I have to be patient with myself and everybody else is because of my great fear of redemption, right? Because of my great fear of giving up my whole identity. You called it, you talked about that a little bit earlier about the, the I, as you called it, the ego or the personhood. Right. So that's very frightening because we still don't know where we're going, right? Right. But you, know, you have to remember that what, what we're really giving up is the idea, ideas, false ideas, illusions, things that don't exist. We're not giving up anything that's real. What's real is there beyond all of that. So we're giving up things like sickness, pain, suffering, death, sacrifice, abandonment, betrayal, deny. I mean, we're giving up the unreal, not the real. This is, you know, the Holy Spirit's here to teach us reality. And reality is here in the mind. And, you know, the, the reality in the mind enabled a Chardin to walk out on the battlefield and see nothing but beauty. It allowed uh, Eckhart Tolle to sit on a park bench for two years and just enjoy himself, enjoy, enjoy the beauty that was in his mind. Thanks for that reminder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go stake out my park bench in City Park. Uh, yeah, right. We got <laughs> you can't. Park bench. My, my park bench, damn it. <laughs> right across the street. Nobody right. better be on it either. <laughs> All right, let's skip up to paragraph one, and then we uh, will go to the forgotten song as our, as our closing. Uh, the end of paragraph one, we already went through the idea of projection makes perception. The world you see is what you gave it. Nothing more than that, but it's not less. Therefore, the world is very important to you. It's not about denying the world. It's about what am I seeing? What I'm seeing is telling me what I've already decided in my mind that I want to see. Seek not to change the world. Seek not to change your brother. You're seeing in him what you want to see. Seek only to change your mind about the world, about your brother. Ask for help. 
Holy Spirit, show me the meaning of what I behold. That means we have to let go of what we think about it. We don't know anything. Show me the meaning of what I behold. Uh, down to um, uh, sentence 10, everything, everything that's looked upon with vision is healed and holy. Nothing perceived without it means anything. Lesson number one, nothing I see means anything. Nothing I see through the ego, through my personal perception and interpretation means anything. And where there is no meaning, there's chaos. Where we're looking through the eyes of the ego, there will be chaos. There must be chaos. We've decided we want to see it. All right. The Forgotten Song. Let's see. Let me look at the time here. Okay, here we go. This is all very poetic, and um, I'll make some comments, but mostly um, we'll go through it fairly quickly until um, the very end we'll use this as a meditation, where it starts with beyond the body and beyond the sun and stars. All right. Never forget the world, the sightless sea. That would be us if we're believing what the body's eyes are telling us and interpreting based upon that. We're sightless. And it must be imagined. It's made up. It's imagined. It's interpreted. For what it really looks like is unknown to them. They must infer. They must make up. They must guess at it. <laughs> what could be seen from evidence forever indirect. And reconstruct their inferences as they stumble and fall because of what they did not recognize. They don't, they don't recognize that, that you could see your way through all of this effortlessly with a mind resting with the Holy Spirit. Or walk unharmed through open doorways they thought were closed. I don't, know, I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know what to do. There's always a way through. There's always an answer. Peace, when the mind is at peace, when it's chosen the Holy Spirit, when it's chosen the Holy Spirit, and it's learning internal joy and peace and certainty and clarity, we can see our way through. We can see the right answer, the right thing to say. It's there. Some call it channeling. <laughs> you know, if it's true channeling, the words are coming from the Holy Spirit. They're not coming from us. And so it is with you. You do not see. Your cues for inference are all wrong. They're being taken from the ego's point of view, how the ego sees things. 
They're all wrong. And so guess what? You stumble, you fall down upon the stones that you didn't recognize. You put them all there. But now with the right teacher, with the Holy Spirit, with peace as your God, you recognize them. You know how to go around them, over them. It's effortless. And you can go through doors on the next page, 446. You can go through the doors which you thought were closed, the doors in the mind. The way to truth, which stand open before unseeing eyes, waiting to welcome you. Open your eyes. How foolish it is to attempt to judge what could be seen instead. Seen here, he's referring to true, the true seeing. What could be experienced, vision, experience. It is not necessary to imagine what the world must look like. We, if we could stop making it up, we might be able to see what's really there. Show me the meaning of what I behold. It must be experienced. It must be seen before you recognize it for what it is. You can be shown which doors are open. You can see where safety lies and which way leads to darkness and which to light. Judgment will always give you false directions, but vision shows you where to go. Why guess? Why would you guess? Why would you make it up? <laughs> there is no need to learn through pain. The Holy Spirit's lessons are joyous. And gentle lessons are acquired joyously and are remembered gladly. Hey, I got it. I'm beginning to understand. If I turn this over, if I let the Holy Spirit show me the meaning of everything that I behold, it's worthwhile. It's joyous. It's happy. I think I'll do it more often. It is not this you would deny. Your question is, your question is, whether the means by which this course, this Course in Miracles, is learned will bring you the joy it promises. I'm not so sure. Well, my plans for joy for myself haven't turned out so good. We could at least be honest and admit that. If you believe that it would bring you joy, the learning of it would be no problem. You're not a happy learner <laughs> yet <laughs> because you still remain uncertain that vision will give you more than judgment does. Wow. Look that one right in the face, right? I still believe that my judgment will turn out better for me than vision. And you have learned both you cannot have. So we choose judgment. The blind become accustomed to their world 
by their adjustments to it. And they think they know their way around in it. I know how to navigate this dream. Watch this. <laughs> Some are better at it than others, but it's, it, it, never, it never lasts. It never, ever lasts. I don't care how much money we acquire or, you know, how great a body we get or, you know, how smart we get. It, it never lasts. What the Holy Spirit teaches us is what's true now and it, what's true eternally forever. They think they know their way about it. They learned it, not through joyous lessons, but through the stern necessity of limits that they believe they couldn't overcome and they just keep adjusting to the limits. And still believing this, they hold those lessons dear. Like we read earlier in the class when we uh, read about the uh, simplicity of salvation, these overlearned lessons, we're still learning, we're still teaching ourselves. <laughs> Learn those, hold those lessons dear and cling to them because they cannot see. They do not understand the lessons keep them blind. This is what's keeping us blind. As long as we hold on to uh, our interpretations of what we see, we're keeping ourselves blind. And so they keep the world they learn to see in their imagination, believing their choice is that or nothing. We don't know about vision. We don't know there's another way to see. But that was the original saying. There's got to be another way. And in the introduction to the workbooks that Jesus is teaching, the other way is another way of seeing. That's the other way. They hate the world they learn through pain, and everything they think is in it serves to remind them that they are incomplete and bitterly deprived. We, the world we see is an outside picture of an inward condition. We think we're bereft of love, of God, we believe in scarcity and lack. And then we see it. We see a world that you know, takes away from us, a world where we lose, a world where we're victimized. That's what we've decided we want to see. And thus they define their life by where they live, adjusting to it as they think they must, afraid to lose the little that we have. So that's the clinging, I, I, you know, I know this. What is the old saying of, you know, it's we hang on to something because we know it and that's better than the unknown, just because we know it. We can count on this. We can count on we're gonna get old and sick and die, but oh well, <laughs> just part of, part of it. <laughs> it's part of insanity, that's what it's part of. All right. And so it is with all who see the body as all they have and all their brothers have. Um, remember, our, our, our function here um, is to usher in another world, a world that's unseen, a world that's unheard, 
a world that can't be touched, but it's surely there. And the miracle shows us that. The miracle shows that we are learning from out of time, from a teacher out of time, the Holy Spirit, and the miracle shows us we're learning from that teacher, an unseen world, an unheard world that's showing us what we really are. They try to reach each other. Ah, oh, yes, special, special relationships, special love relationships. We try to communicate. We, we're hopeful that there'll be some connection made. And they fail, and they fail again. And they adjust to the loneliness, believing that to keep the body is to save the little that they have. Ta-da! Now he's going to ask us to listen and see if we can hear the song. Okay? All right. I'll just read. I'll just read it through, and we'll take a minute. Listen, listen, listen. Be still and listen. Perhaps, perhaps you catch a hint of an ancient state, not quite forgotten. Dim, perhaps, and yet not altogether unfamiliar, like a song whose name is long forgotten, and the circumstances in which you heard completely unremembered, not the whole song has stayed with you, but just a little wisp of melody, attached not to a person or a place or anything particular, but you remember from just this little part how lovely was the song, how wonderful the setting where you heard it, and how you loved those who were there and listened with you. The notes are nothing. The form is nothing. The form that it takes is nothing. But the content is everything. The notes are nothing. You've kept them with you, not for themselves, but for the soft reminder the peace, the joy, the certainty, the ease, the comfort of what would make you weep if you remembered how dear it was to you. You could remember, yet you're afraid, believing you would lose the world you've learned since then. And yet, you know that nothing in the world you learned is half so dear as this. Listen, listen, and see if you remember an ancient song you knew so long ago and held more dear than any melody you taught yourself to cherish since. Beyond the body, beyond the sun and stars, past everything you see, and somehow familiar is an arc of golden light that stretches as you look into a great and shining circle. And all the circle fills with light before your eyes. The edges of the circle disappear. And what is in it 
is no longer contained at all and the light expands and it covers everything extending to infinity forever shining and with no break or limit anywhere within it everything is joined in perfect continuity nor is it possible to imagine anything could be outside for there is nowhere that this light is not this is the vision of the Son of God whom you know well here is the sight of him who knows his father here is the memory of what you are a part of this with all of it within and joined to all as surely as all is joined in you accept accept the vision that can show you this and not the body you know the ancient song and you know it well nothing will ever be as dear to you as this ancient hymn of love that the Son of God sings to his father still and now the blind can see for that same song they sing in honor of their Creator and gives praise to them as well the blindness that they made will not withstand the memory of this song and they will look upon the vision of the Son of God remembering who he is they sing of what is a miracle but this remembering and who is there in whom this memory lies not the light in one awakens it in all and when you see it in your brother you are remembering for everyone Thank you, everyone. We can remember. You can remember. Thank you, Lynn. It was a beautiful thank meeting. And thank you all. Peace and love to everybody. Remember. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. 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 Thank you.